If you have your Bibles, turn to Hebrews chapter 1. We're going to kind of start in the middle of verse 3, because that's where the uh, beginning of the sentence for 4 takes place. And while you're turning there, let me tell you that um, the writer of Hebrews is, is going to discuss a situation that initially I probably wouldn't have thought about discussing. Um, but then after thinking about who people are and even who believers are, I then see why he decided to make this uh, part of, this, of the Scriptures. Um, the reason I believe that he makes part of the Scriptures is that people have a tendency to not worship the Creator, but worship the created. And so uh, various religions where animals or have spirits or their ancestors or whatever, or we worship the sun and the moon and all these different things that are created, and we tend not to worship the creator. And so I think the writer of Hebrews understands that there's a tendency for that. And then even well-meaning believers have a tendency, and I don't think they, they do it intentionally, but lulled into it, the sense of that, that they minimize God. You go, I don't think I minimize God. Well, let me give you an example. You'll hear a number of people, and when I bring this up, if you've heard me in any number of messages, you'll have heard this uh, complaint that I have or in Bible studies, is that you'll hear people say, about the power of prayer. And they'll talk about the power of prayer. And when I say, what I'm going to say, it's like I, quote unquote, minimize the power of prayer. Now, I believe in the power of prayer, and I believe that God wants us to pray. As a matter of fact, I need to pray more. The scriptures tell us that we are to pray without ceasing, and all too often I cease. So it's not a matter of that I don't think you should pray. That's not my criticism. Is that the emphasis is on the power of prayer rather than the power of God. So let me give you an, a, a kind of a metaphor, a simile to kind of help lock it in. You're at home with a loved one and all of a sudden your loved one starts clenching their chest and they're in pain and their left arm is being affected and you go, I think they're having a heart attack. And so you get your phone, whether it's a smart one or a flip one or one that is connected to the wall that has a rotary dial. Whatever type of phone you have, you call 911 and you say, we need some assistance because there's a health emergency. And the paramedics show up and as they show up, your loved one stops breathing and the heart stops. So they take the defibrillators, they hit it, the heart starts up, they do some other um, medical attention, stick them in an ambulance and get them to the hospital, and they're well. Now, when we talk about the power of prayer, that's like taking your phone and saying, thank you, phone. I so appreciate you, phone. You're so awesome, phone. You should be thanking the paramedics because they're the one who came to deliver your loved one from their medical distress. 
But you see, what we've done is we've taken our eyes off. So it would be, again, instead of saying thank you for those who have saved us, we thank the mechanism that called them. And all too often, instead of giving God the glory, we take our eyes off of him and put it on mechanisms. So just one of my, I can't call it a pet peeve because there's a lot of well-meaning good people who, who say these things. And I just say, just think a little. Okay, so he's going to write this because we have a tendency to worship the created rather than the creator, and we have a tendency to minimize God uh, by doing other things. And so in the middle of chapter chapter 1, verse 3, it says, When he, that being Jesus, made purifications of sins, he sat down at the right hand of the majesty on high, having become as much better than the angels, as he inherited a more excellent name than they. So the writer of Hebrews is going to say, Jesus is better than the angels. Now that is why I would have never initially written this. Because I would go, duh, that's obvious. But apparently because we have a tendency to worship created things, and we have a tendency to take our eyes off of God, the Father, he understands. And so during this time in in Jewish custom and others, is that there was this kind of mysticism about angels and this appreciation of angels and this statement of angels. And so he's very aware that angels is kind of high on the list of those who are quote-unquote spiritual. And if you in today, our day today, you'll have those who don't believe in a God but are quote-unquote very spiritual. Or they'll talk about angels and spirits and all these types of things because, again, we tend to minimize God and maximize those other spiritual qualities. And so the writer of Hebrews says, before you get all misleaded on angels, Jesus is better than them. Jesus is greater than them. And he has inherited a much more excellent name than thee. So for instance, it is at the name of Jesus that every knee shall bow. It is not at the name of Michael or Gabriel or even Satan that the knees will bow. It is at the name of Jesus that every knee shall bow. So he has been given a more excellent name. And so he says, for verse 5, For to which of the angels did he ever say, You are my son, today I have begotten you. And again, I will be a father to him, and he shall be a son to me. So the writer here is saying that Jesus has a greater title. He's been considered son, not an angel. He is not a messenger. He's the son. And just as in any household, your child is more important than the staff or the workers or visitors, the writer here is saying Jesus, because he's the son, has become that title. In verse 6 it says, And when he again brings the firstborn into the world, he says, And let the angels of God worship. So the second reason that the writer here is giving us a reason that Jesus is greater than the angels, is better than the angels, is because the angels are to worship him. He's not to worship the angels. And so in the scriptures you'll see, even when angels show up and like in the uh, 
when John writes the book of Revelation or in other aspects, whether it's um, throughout the scriptures, when an angel comes and a person kind of realizes it, they start bowing down to worship. And each time the angel says, stand up, I'm a, I'm a fellow servant just like you. Angels are not entitled to be worshipped. Jesus is. That's what the scriptures tell. That's who he is. But yet again, we have this idea that angels are these somehow powerful things and we want to have guardian angels and we want all these things and we, we focus on angels when the focus of angels is on Jesus. So he's better because he's worshipped. Verse 7. And of the angels, he says, who makes his angels winds and his ministers a flame of fire? But of the sun, he says, your throne, O God, is forever and ever. And the righteous scepter is the scepter of his kingdom. You have loved righteousness and hated lawlessness. Therefore, God, your God, has anointed you the oil of gladness above your companions. So he is better than the angels because he has a superior nature. The angels are ministers who are to minister and to provide messages and to let you know what God is doing. But Jesus is on the throne. He is the one who reigns. He's the one who rules. He's the one who directs the angels what to do. And so he is better than the angels because he has a superior nature and a superior position than they. But again, we want to get our eyes off of God and onto something else. Verse 10. And all of these verses that you see in large block when you're looking at your Bible is a quote from the Old Testament, the Scriptures. Now, we have a tendency to say, well, if you look at Psalms, you know, 68 verse, whatever, so that you can go there. I believe the reason the writer of Hebrews doesn't tell us the position, the address, if you will, is one, I think he's expecting you to know it. And second, to say, as I've been referring the writer of Hebrews, if he were to say, well, in David's Psalm, we then start looking at David. It's the scriptures. It's the word of God. So again, he is making sure that we don't diminish the value of the scriptures by saying so-and-so wrote it. And we do that in today. There are people who don't like to read Paul because they disagree with him. Well, my, my suggestion to you is take it up with Jesus. If you don't like what Paul wrote, take it up with Jesus because he and the Holy Spirit and the Father are the ones who are the author of this. As the beginning of the book says, as we started reading in this epistle, in these last days, he spoke to us through Jesus. And so to avoid that, well, you know, as the Sadducees would say, well, if it's not in the first five books of Moses, I don't care. And, and whatever he's saying, this is the scripture. This is what it says. And so he's going to again quote scripture and says, and you, Lord, in the beginning laid the foundations of the earth and the heavens are the works of your hands. They will perish, but you remain. And they will all become like old, like a garment and like a mantle. You will roll them up 
like a garment. They will also be changed, but you are the same, and your years will not come to an end. We are to worship the angels, not to worship the angels and to worship God, because the angels, again, are created, but Jesus pre-existed them. He has pre-existence. And so because he's God, he is greater than the angels because he created the angels. And not only did he there before this all got started, he's going to be there long after it's all over with. When this has been rolled up, he's still going to be God. When I was a junior in high school, I had an English teacher, and she loved Herman Melville's Moby Dick. So much so that I, not to her face, would call her Moby Mare. And part of the reason I called her that was because she was a little overweight. No, she was a lot overweight. But uh, anyway, she loved that book. But she made a statement to me that as a junior in high school, could not reconcile, and today I still cannot reconcile. She said, the book Moby Dick was greater than Herman Melville. I go, so you're saying he didn't write the book? She goes, no, I think he wrote the book. It's just that it was a greater work than he was capable of doing. And I said, then he, then you're saying he didn't write the book? Because if it's greater than he's capable of doing, then he couldn't have done it. And, but that was her view, and I, and I never... But that's kind of the way people are. They look at the world and see how magnanimous it is and how awesome it is and all of these things, and we say, well, there can't be a God. We look at the universe and the billions of stars and galaxies. No, there can't be a God. We can talk about aliens going all over the place, which in our understanding... Everything's too far to get where, but, but we'll believe in aliens, but we can't believe in a God. It's, we love to look at the created and he is greater because he existed before, he will exist after. And then the final reason that he's going to give, but to which of the angels has he ever said, sit at my right hand, until I make your enemies a footstool for your feet. Jesus has a far superior destiny. He is going to sit at the right hand of him. As we started this reading, it said that he sat down at the right hand of God. And Jesus is told, stay there. I'm going to make your enemies a footstool. You're going to rest your feet on your enemies. That's his destination. That's his destiny. That's what God has ordained for him. And then he says in verse 14, Are they not all ministering spirits sent out to render service for the sake of those who will inherit salvation? So he says, Jesus is going to sit on the throne, rule and reign, and those who are enemies are going to be his footstools. But angels... They have a job. Their job is to minister to you and me. So there's a couple of examples where they minister to you and I, and there's, a couple of, there's an example where they minister to Jesus. 
during Jesus' 40 days in the wilderness as he fasted and prayed. When that was over and the Satan came and tempted him and he had his spiritual battle with Satan and Satan left for a time. And a lot of times we think when we battle Satan and we get the victory that the battle's over, the war is over, but the battles keep going and he's going to show back up. And for a time he goes away, but the angels ministered to the Lord because that's their job. That's what they do. And even though the writer of Hebrews doesn't tell us this, I am. There's another reason. See, they're ministering to Jesus. So Jesus is superior. Daniel, when he's been received a vision and it's so bothered him by not knowing what it means and, and find out, he prays to such an extent that he is a, in a weakened physical and almost spiritual situation. And an angel comes and ministers and strengthens him and encourages him, but says, I got to go back and because the only person helping me fight this spiritual battle is Michael. And the reason it took me a while to get here is because we've been having some spiritual battles. But he came to minister to Daniel. That's what the angels do. But again, we have this tendency, so when an angel comes and visits us, as we say, sometimes entertaining angels unaware, we put our emphasis on the angel, the messenger, rather than the person who sent them. So these are a number of reasons that the writer of Hebrews tells us that the, Jesus is better. Let me give you a couple more. Which angel ever died for your sins? Which angel ever gave you freedom from the slavery of sin? Which angel ever rose again from the dead to prove that he delivered what he said? Which angel not just brought the word of God, but Jesus was the word of God. An angel would come and say, Abram, I have a message for you. Or Daniel, I have a message for you. Or Elijah, I have a message for you. Jesus is the message. He is greater than the angels. Which angel is going to come back for you whether you're alive or dead? It's Jesus. Now, there's some angels who are going to blow some trumpets, and there's some angels who, and one angel is going to be uh, issued in order to take Satan and throw him into the fiery pit. An angel, not a whole bunch. You see, when God says do something, Satan has no power. So if the one person we are so afraid of because he's like a lion roaring to seeking someone to devour, an angel throws him in the pit. So get our eyes off of the angels and onto God. Because Jesus is coming back. And whether I'm alive or I'm dead, he's coming for me. No angel is. 
And which angel has ever given me the ability to say, I am a child of God. So much so that later in this epistle, we're going to see that Jesus calls us brethren. We're brothers and sisters of his. What angel ever give us that opportunity? And so the writer of Hebrews writes these things because I would never have thought of it because I just assume everybody knew that Jesus is greater and higher and more to be praised and worshiped than anything else. But then I forget the evilness of man's heart. That we always want to give credit to anyone other than God or anything other than God. And so the writer of Hebrews warns us, never, ever, ever, ever think that there's anything or anyone superior to Jesus. He is the author and perfecter of our faith, not the angels. They look to see what's going on. We have the ability once this life is over with and we're in heaven to sing the song of the redeemed because we're experiencing something that they never have experienced. And they never gave us that right because they know nothing of it. There is no one higher. There is no one greater. And we should always be on our guard to make sure that even unintentionally that we take off the emphasis of who Jesus is and what he has done. You see, when you say, well, I think if we're just kind of good enough, we can all get to heaven. Then Jesus died needlessly. You've removed his power. If we talk about chariots of fire and forget about the power that's in his name, we do not do well. And this world has a tendency to seduce us into thinking, well, Jesus is cool, but he's not all that. And the scriptures tells us Jesus is not only all that, he's more. And all God's people said, Amen.